Diwali, the Festival of Lights, is a vibrant and colorful celebration. We invite you to celebrate Diwali with a stroll through the enchanting Meadowlark Botanical Gardens, adorned with lighted trees and displays on our half-mile paved trail with 500,000 sparkling lights at Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights in Vienna, Virginia. Get to Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights open November 10th through January 7th. Save time and money by purchasing a ticket online at winterwalkoflights.com. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app? over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Harvest Christian Center. I'm Dr. Foreman, and you're getting ready to hear an incredible message from God's Word. If this message speaks to you in a supernatural way like we believe it will, be sure to let us know at our website, harvestcc.me. If you're led to sow into the ministry of Harvest Christian Center, you can do so as well by visiting our website. Get ready to prepare your heart, mind, and spirit to receive this incredible Word that God has for you today. Remember, love God, love people, and love life. Let's go into the message already in progress. Y'all don't speak to can, can y'all not hear me? Y'all ready to go into the word tonight? You know, Denver folk, I got to just talk about y'all real quick. Lift your Bible high, but I need to say something about you. Now, look here. When y'all be acting weird when it snows, like you don't know that it snows here. Y'all, okay, y'all ain't saying, yeah. Like, like we weren't expecting it. Like, my goodness, it's snowing outside. And you know, some folk, they act real weird about the weather. You know, they heard it was gonna snow in Dallas and so they didn't come to church because they, they, I think it's a thunderstorm in Tulsa. I ain't gonna be able to make it. I ain't gonna be able to make it. Anyway, lift your Bibles out. Let's go into the word of God tonight. Let's say it together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. It gives me abundant life. I am not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word teaches me that I am more than a conqueror. My spirit and my mind are prepared to receive and apply the message that I'm about to receive. Remain standing if you would. Go to Isaiah 44.3. Isaiah 44.3. Uh, tonight, I'm going to teach you part two of where we were on Sunday. You can turn my monitor down just a little, please. Isaiah 44.3. It says, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. Say this and shout it like you mean it. Say, I declare, I declare that the dysfunction, that dysfunction and, the and the curses that I walked in, I walked my, bloodline my bloodline will not walk in. Will not walk in. The, descendants the descendants after me will be changed, will be changed because, of the decisions because of the decisions I make, I make right now. 
Father, speak to us with clarity tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. As you take your seats, high five two or three people and just tell them it's unusual. It's unusual. Down a little more, please. It's unusual. Uh, we started here in part one, and what I want to do tonight is I want to walk us back. I want to kind of review where we were this weekend, and then I want to introduce um, the other two I did not get the opportunity to get to from this past, uh, this past weekend. If you were not here this weekend, wow. You, you, you missed a little something, something. The Lord did a little something, something for the people this weekend. Uh, but, but say this, say, I am not going to miss, going to miss the outpouring. Uh, now, listen, this series asks a question, and I like, I like saying this statement at the beginning of each message in a series because I think it's important that we understand why we're doing what we're doing and why you're, I'm teaching what I'm teaching. The question is, aren't you ready for an outpour of God's Spirit? Say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Aren't you ready for an interruption in business as usual in your life? An outpour of His love, of His power of his joy of miracles of healing and Siri says we're expecting to see the supernatural and we invite you to experience it and you'll never be the same now now listen to me very very carefully um, what would you do if God actually did what it is that you said you were excited about him doing Recently, I was having a conversation with a man, and, and this man was to me, said, Bishop, I've just been waiting on God to open this door for me. I've been waiting on God to open this door for me. And he just said, and I'm just, I, Lord, I've been praying for five years. And I said, God, as soon as you open this door for me, I'm going to be ready to walk through it. And you don't know the funny thing is, is, is God had opened the door for him, and when it was time for him to walk through the door, all of a sudden, he wasn't ready to walk through the door. It's a very interesting thing because there are things that we say that we want God to do and that we're excited about him doing. But when he finally opens the door and does it, many times we are not prepared to walk through the doors and get the opportunities that he gives us. You have to understand that opportunities of the lifetime have to be seized in the lifetime of an opportunity. I'm going to say it again. You have to understand that opportunities of a lifetime have to be seized during the lifetime of an opportunity. There was a such a time uh, in the scripture where in the Greek it was called kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S. And it was a different way of measuring time than chronos. You and I know chronos. Chronos measures time one, two, three, four, five. You got that? Uh, it's in chronological order. But kairos measured time as a qualitative sense of time. In essence, kairos was a moment where God interrupted the usual and he stepped in with something unusual that you did not expect. And the issue was is that if you were trying to judge him based on chronos, you would miss Kairos because Kairos never works based on your chronos. I, I know that was real fast, so I'm going to say it again. Uh, God does not interrupt your life when you're ready for him to interrupt it. He interrupts it when he's good and ready to interrupt it. And I'm here to announce to you that when we began this series, God was trying to convey to you that he was ready to interrupt your life as usual. You had your plan, but God says, I got another plan. You had your desire, but God says, I have another desire. And so what I'm trying to announce to you is God is saying, this is a Kairos moment. This is a moment in time where I I am interrupting the chronological order of things and things that were supposed to have taken a certain amount of time will simply not take that much time but it's only for people that are open to me interrupting you you, you have uh, this man he said he said he said I'm ready he said Bishop I've been praying for years for God to open the door and he said as soon as God opens the door I'm ready and then I was talking through him with it and going through some things with him and saying this and all that and all that. And then all of a sudden, uh, uh, he, he wasn't ready to walk through the door. And I said, now you just told me that, that you've been waiting for five years. You've been praying for five years. See, what is the stuff that you've been acting like God has taken real long to do? 
And the truth is, maybe it's not that God's taking a long time. Maybe it's just that when he's ready to do it, you're never ready. Okay, I ain't going to get nobody to say nothing to me. Okay, so y'all going to pull one of those tonight. All right, that's cool. I'll just, I'll, 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 okay, all right, cool. What, what, what is it? Jesus asked an inter interesting question of people. Jesus never asked people, tell me what's wrong. He always said to them, do you want to be whole? Do you want to be here? He said, I did not ask you about your problem. He walks up to the Gadarene demoniac, a man that is possessed with a legion, 2,000 plus demonic spirits and mindsets that are in this man. And this man runs up to him and he says, why have you come to torment me? And then Jesus has this dialogue. But Jesus says, I'm not really interested in you telling me about the problem. I'm far more interested in finding out whether or not you really want the solution. See, there's a lot of stuff. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to your neighbor because your neighbor needs a little bit more work than you. But your neighbor, there's some stuff that they say that they're ready for God to do it, and they say that they want God to do but when God shows up with a solution that they, they act like they weren't okay say unusual so 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 we, we we've been talking in this series about an outpouring where where and we, and we talked about what an outpouring means it's when the climate of your life creates a demand on the supernatural on your behalf what is it that unless God gets involved, it's not going to happen? There's stuff we can do, but, but what's the purpose of serving a supernatural God if everything that we do has to be natural? You're not hearing what I'm saying. Well, what's the point of serving a healer if everything we do desires popping a pill? What, what, what? We serve a supernatural God. This is the God that dwells in the realm of the supernatural. I feel a little help coming. It's the, he dwells in the realm of the supernatural. He can step into nothing and create something, not by his hands, but with his mouth. That's a supernatural God. This is the God that can look at darkness and say, I'm sick of this. Turn on some lights and the lights are. He can look and see that they're good. This is a God that says, not only am I the God that created the universe, but I'm the God that knows enough about you to where the hairs on your hair are numbered, which means when you lose a hair it's not like you lost another one God says that was hair number four million four hundred eighty six thousand two hundred twelve we serve a supernatural God everything about him supernatural he wants to get to the other side he walks on water uh, he wants to pay his taxes he makes a fist put some gold in his mouth we, we, we serve a supernatural God say supernatural we, we serve a God that deals in the realm of the supernatural. Not, not just what we can do and what we can fathom and, and what we can understand. So we said an outpouring is when the climate of your life creates a demand on the supernatural on your behalf. Listen to this. By definition, it is something that streams out rapidly and it often happens suddenly. God is a God who likes to do things suddenly. Now, now don't, don't misunderstand that because he's also a God of process. He's just that great that he could be both at the same time. Uh, there are things that God will allow you to go through the process for because it's the process that prepares you for the promise. And so if you abort the process, you'll never be prepared for the promise. And so you'll never get to the promise because you aborted the process. So he, he's a God of process, but there are many things that God likes to do, but he likes to do them suddenly. <laughs> Children of Israel were broke, busted, and disgusted slaves on Sunday night. But by Monday morning, they had plundered the Egyptians, and they were wealthy beyond anything they had ever seen, could even comprehend or imagine. 
suddenly. Unexpected, out of nowhere, boom. An outpouring gives you the ability to on Sunday have been one thing. But then by Monday, something else is going on. And I know some of you, you're having an issue with it because you're so used to stuff taking for so long. But I'm trying to announce to you that you're in a moment in time where God says, I'm trying to pour something out to you. I'm trying to bring an interruption. It's, it, it's, not, it's, not, it's not that it's going to take all of that. That's your neighbor said, it's not going to take all that. It's just some stuff that just don't have to take all that. Now, now, now. We talked about this in the weekend, and, and, uh, that supernatural in its simplest form means unusual. You have your usual routine, right? For most people, it looks like this. You, you get up in the morning after beating the clock two or three times. Y'all yeah, know what you do. You, <laughs> you, you hit the clock a couple times, and, and then by the time you finally get up, now you're, you're moving and you, you, you're going and you kind of, you know, open your mouth and tell the Lord something. Father, just take your name in Jesus. <laughs> I'm talking about your neighbor. I know you do more. I'm talking about them. So, 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 so you get up and uh, you hit the clock. You get up and you say something. For most people in the morning, there's some type of devotional or prayer that they do. Um, and... Uh, that kind of a thing. They get up, they take a shower, uh, some, uh, you know, they you know, have a little breakfast, a uh, little cup of coffee, half a bagel. <laughs> some people, you know, a piece of toast with no butter, which is not even toast. That's just bread that's brown. <laughs> toast is toast because you put four pieces of butter on it. And then if you're feeling real, you know, something, you put a fifth one in the middle. <laughs> one time somebody said, oh, I had some toast. I said, ain't no butter on that. <laughs> what you have is browned bread. That's what you have. You don't have to. Watch ha- <laughs> this. You, you have some kind of breakfast. You have some kind of food. You, you, you know, if you're married, you, you greet your spouse. You say hey to your kids, whatever. You know, whatever. You have some normalcy there. You get in your car. You're driving to work. <clears throat> And you're trying to focus. And, of course, ladies, y'all know I talk about y'all bad because y'all ain't focusing at all. <laughs> you're putting on makeup and making sure she sold you in good back here. And so you're checking. <laughs> you, you, you're doing all that. You're going through that. <clears throat> uh, fellas, we're just trying to get there. And, you know, uh, some people, you're mourning people. And so in the morning, you're really excited. Oh, good morning. Praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, God is so good. And, but then for the rest of us that don't believe in all of that. <laughs> I, I know people are morning people. I'm not one of those people. I, 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 in fact, I just think there's certain things that shouldn't happen before certain hours in the day. Pastor friend called me the other day at about 6 o'clock in the morning. I said, now, please tell me that this is an emergency. Because um, if it's not, <laughs> you're going to need to call me during my normal business hours. <laughs> Which means you're going to need to, 
I'm just saying most people, but, but you, you go through your day, you, you have your normal routine, right? You get to work, you have your normal routine, right? You got it down pat. So it was snowing today, so you had your coat, you know where you set your coat. Then you sit down at your desk, you know the first thing you do to turn your computer on or unlock it from sleeping or whatever. And then you, know, you have your normal routine, right? And then for some of you, first thing you do is you check your emails. And so you bring up Outlook or whatever email program, you go through emails. For some of you, the first thing you do is you check your voicemail. You have a normal routine that you're in, right? And then you follow that routine, you do that routine, you know that routine, you've got that routine routine and then it's lunchtime and then you have your normal lunch routine because some of you you take a bag lunch and so you're going to have your sandwich and, and your soup and your little cheese sandwich and all this kind of thing and, and you're going to do that and then for some of you, you like to be adventurous so you don't take no lunch you like to just get in the car and figure out where you're going to go and so you'll drive around and waste 15 minutes just trying to figure out where you're going to go you used half your lunch just trying to figure out well I don't want that watch it I'm going somewhere you, you, you go through your normal routine at lunch, so you come back to work, you finish your normal routine, you know what you got to do, and then you close your day down, right? And so you're prepping for the next day. You got your normal routine, you got your normal routine, you got your normal routine. You do all of that, and, and then you go home, right? And then you're driving home, and you follow your normal routine. You listen to the same radio station, and you flip it to the same thing, or you call that same person the first one when you get off of work. Y'all going to act like that? That's a normal routine. And then you get home and then you follow the same normal routine. Then you walk in the house and then you put your coat up. And then some of you, you like to disrobe before you get to eating. And some of you, you like to be robed while you're eating. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Some of you, you got a, a trail of clothes from the, from the door. Come on, y'all be honest with me. Don't, why y'all acting like that? Because it's snowing outside. You got a trail of clothes. So your coat's back there. You got your shoes over there. And then you got your good church socks over there. And then you... Say normal. That's your user routine. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. Here's what I'm saying. When you talk about an outpouring, what we're saying is unusual. When you talk about the supernatural, we're talking about something that's unusual. Usual says, and nothing's wrong with this, hear me. Usual says, well, the only way you're going to be healed from that is through medicine. And there's nothing wrong with medicine, and we thank God for doctors. Unusual says... That's good, and do what the doctors say. But you serve a God that has an ability to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can. Uh, see, usual says, usual says, usual says, uh, you're trying to find a job. So usual says, send your resume out, you know, make some contacts, go to some job fairs. That's all good stuff, right? All that's good stuff. But that's usual. Unusual says, still do those things, because those are good things to do. But unusual says, God will call somebody that you were sitting next to in church. Y'all not hear what I'm saying. Somebody that you were walking next to while you were going down the street. Somebody you were sitting next to on the light rail. Unusual says, God will create something for you that did not exist prior to you having a need for it. Say unusual. unusual. Say supernatural. supernatural. Uh, uh, so, so, so we looked at this this past weekend. There were five unusual experiences because of unusual actions. And I told you I thought I'd get to two and a half. I got to three. Uh, but I want to review them because I want us to walk through them line upon line, precept upon precept. Can we do that tonight? Yeah. So uh, the first one I gave you this weekend was an unusual step 
equals an unusual experience. Go to Matthew chapter 14. We've been talking about Peter a lot. Peter's going to become your, your favorite guy, uh, at least for the next worship experience or so. Matthew chapter 14 and get to verse number 22. An unusual step equals an unusual experience. Now, you heard me say this to you, that if you want something you have never had, you have to do something you have never done. Your life is perfectly designed to get you the results you're getting. Did you, did you hear what I just said? Your systems of life, because we all have systems, right? Everybody's got a system. Uh, you, you have a system to pay in your bills. It's, it's, why are y'all getting off? Y'all don't pay your bills? Well, then I guess we need to talk about that then. You have a system, right? And, and, and watch this. Can we just have a moment of, of, of corporate transparency? You ever had to, had to master your system because you had to juggle your things a little bit? and you had to, So you had to know that, that you had three days before they were going to cut the cell phone off, so you had to balance the three? I know, I, okay, I said corporate transparency, but only five of y'all are being honest. You, you ever had to know that there was some balance that you had to do because you... You have a system, a normal system. The systems of your life are perfectly designed to get you the results you're getting. So if you don't like the results that you're getting in some area, because there's some areas you probably say, you know what, I'm pleased with those results. But there are certain areas of your life you might be saying, I'm not really pleased with those results. So then the only thing you can do then is change your system, change what you're doing, change the usual and do something unusual. Okay? You can't say, I'm believing for godly friends, yet every time somebody says hi to you, you run the other way. That's what a lot of Christian folks are doing. Lord, just send us some good godly people. And somebody says, hey, how you doing? Got it? Say, Lord, just get the drama out of my life. Yet you keep the same drama-filled people. As if they're going to do something different than what they've proven to you they are. <laughs> Drama-filled people, that's what they do. They have drama. You can't expect nothing different from them. Are y'all hear what I'm saying? Okay, here it is. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go with him to the other side. Now, and, and I said this to you this weekend. My question is, how is he going to get to the other side? He, he says, y'all get in the boat. And y'all go over there, and, uh, and I'm going to catch up with you. <laughs> now, it would have been, a several, it would have been uh, a several days journey for Jesus to have made the walk. So they weren't anticipating for him to do that because he had another crusade schedule. So it's interesting. Jesus sets this up to be unusual from the get-go. There are some circumstances and situations in your life that if you're honest and you look at them, you'll say this is unusual from the get-go. God, I wish that did. this is different from the beginning. This is unusual from the beginning. So Jesus, he sets it up that way. Verse 23, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Notice that the storm did not start until they were in the middle of the sea. H have you ever noticed that, that sometimes the stuff you wish you knew back then, you don't know until you're in the middle of it? 
Have you ever noticed that the stuff that you wish somebody would have told you back then, you don't even know until you write smack dab in the middle of the situation, and that's what's going on. The, the boat's in the middle of the sea, and it's tossed by the waves, and the wind is contrary, which means this. Literally, that's where we get the word evil. Evil uh, in Hebrew uh, means contrary to. It's not demons and pitchforks and that kind of thing. No, that's not evil. That's crazy. Uh, evil means contrary to. It's against forward progress and forward motion. So then an enemy becomes anything that is against your forward progress and forward motion. So then evil, evil then, it, it, it's contrary to. You're headed this way. Evil then is pressing this way. It's contrary. So he says, for the wind was what? Contrary. So not only is, are the waves rocking, but the wind is contrary. So not only are they doing this thing here, but now they're also not even able to move forward. They're just, watch this, going in circles. Say usual. That's usual. That's how most people live. Most people live going from crisis to crisis, from storm to storm, from mess to mess. And I'm here to make an announcement to you. You were not created to dwell like that. You were not created to be messed up and jacked up all the time. You were not created to be rocking all that. You were not created for that. But that's usual. You, you talk, to the average, talk to the average person. The average person. Okay. Average Christian, you talk to him. Uh, how you doing, man? You know, bang, 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 bang. But God is good. Well, if He's so good, then why did you have to announce all the rest? Okay, I'm just talking tonight. I'm just, that's, I'm just talking. That's all I'm doing. I'm just talking. Man, how you doing, man? I tell you, you know, it seems like every time I try to do something, you know, but the devil is busy. What? You know what the devil is? What? What? So who do you have more faith in? Your God or a subject of your God? Satan can't do what he want to do what he want to do it anyhow. He works for heaven, by the way. I don't have time to take you there. Job chapter 1, God says to him, he says, Satan, where have you been? He says, where you been? He says, uh, I was on the earth checking some things out, you know, uh, which, number one, that tells us he's not omnipresent. So then I, I wish I, I get so sick of Christians giving so much credit to the devil. Well, the devil's messing with my family. The devil's, well, how he messing with her and you at the same time? He can't, he's not omnipresent. He can't do that. He says, I've been walking on the earth, going back and forth. God says, have you considered my servant Job? God volunteers, volunteers Job, and then check this out. And then he says, listen, you can do X, Y, Z to him and nothing else. Sounds like an employee to me. You can do this, that, and the other, but don't you do nothing else to him. And then after he did all that, he said, hmm, okay, all right, I like how Job is handling this. You can do everything you want to him, but you cannot kill him. He gives him the boundaries of limitation. Stop giving the devil all this credit and glory. If you took Satan away from some people, they wouldn't have nothing to talk about. I'm talking about Christian people. They wouldn't have nothing to talk about. Because all they talk about is the devil. And then even preachers, when I talk to preachers, I get like, dude, you are a fear monger. I mean, you should have been on the team that was trying to sell the Iraqi and Afghanistan wars. I mean, because you know how to sell some fear. The devil is trying to kill you. And Listen, he ain't got it like that. You ought to read this thing. 
oh, the devil's trying to take our city. No, no, no. Christians just ain't taking it, so it's open for grabs. Somebody said, Bishop, show me some scripture. I'll gladly show you some scripture, sucker. Go to Isaiah 45. I'm just messing. You used to be a sucker, but God's changed your life. Amen. <laughs> if you're offended, please get over it. Isaiah 45. I, I just want to show you this because uh, somebody's pulling on that, so I just need to address the pull. Somebody's pulling that. Isaiah 45. Now, I'm going to show you something, all right? Now, this has nothing to do, so y'all can't take this out of my teaching time tonight because this is separate. <laughs> <laughs> this is extra. So this don't count. Y'all turn that clock off. This is not clock for this part of the teaching. All right, Isaiah 45. Now I want you to get to verse, to verse number five. All right? Okay, actually, I'll tell you what. Start up in verse number four. Now some of you have heard me teach this particular portion before, and I'm going to do a whole series about it later on this year. But I want you to see this. Say, my God, my God has, no enemies. has no enemies. Listen. Verse four. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, my elect, I have even called you by your name. I have named you, though you have not known me. Look at verse 5. I am the, now, you, you know what that means because it's all caps. What does that mean? Covenant name, what, which is? yod heh wav -Heh. He says, I am yod heh wav -Heh, and there is no other. See, when you start talking about, well, you know, it says evil versus good. What you're suggesting is, is that God has an enemy. And for God to have an enemy, it would have to be his equivalent. See, that's why some of the people you call your enemies, you, you, you're foolish about it. They're not your enemies. What they are is they're just a stepping stool. Because for you to be my enemy, you got to be my equivalent. And if you're not my equivalent, the only thing you are is something for me to step on. You better read your Bible until I make your enemies your footstool. So you sitting there saying, oh, I just got all these haters, all these enemies. They're not your equivalent. Stop talking about them like they like that. I am the Lord and there is no other. There is no God's source because God is not God's name. God is, you've been taught this before, it's a 6th century Germanic term from the Germanic word gudan. God is a title, not his name. Okay? There is no source beside me. There is no God beside me. I will gird you, though you have not known me. Next verse. Uh, that they may know. Now, 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 take this out. He starts out by talking to his people. And then he says, he changes to they. He says, so I don't just, I'm not just getting ready to say this. In essence, God is saying, I'm not just getting ready to tell you verse 6 and 7 for your sake. I'm telling you verse 6 and 7 for their sake. Now, everybody got some they. And if you don't have some they, then you must not be that gifted. If you don't have some they, then you must not be that blessed. You must not, you must not be talking about nothing. Look at this. That they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting. Listen, he says it again. That there is none besides me. They say, but Bishop, I, I, I'm still not convinced. He, that's okay. He's going to convince you real good in a minute. He says, I am. Then he repeats his name. <laughs> He's like, you must not know about me, so let me tell you who I am. I told you once, but I'm going to say it again twice so you get it. I am yod Hey, wav Hey, Yahweh in the Hebrew, Jehovah in the English. And there is, 
no other. So now he's telling you a third time, ain't nobody else that can compete with me. That's why you got to be careful and call yourself watching Christian TV. You got to be careful because just because they got a TV program don't mean they know what they're talking about. That just means that they can pay the airtime. Listen, what are you trying to say? Because they'll have you thinking that there's going to be some battle at the end between God and Satan in a valley called Megiddo. Got to come to Bible college. Got to come to Bible college. Let me, let me show you how that is not going to happen. I am the Lord and there is no other. Next verse. I form, now check this out. Here it is. The light. And create darkness. Darkness, by the way, there in Hebrew is the word evil. I make peace. This is God talking. And create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. Which means if God lets something come against you, it is not supposed to destroy you. It is not supposed to kill you. It is not supposed to take you out. It's so that God says, I use that as a weapon so you can get better. I use it so you can get stronger. I use it so you can get wiser. I, the Lord, did all of that. Put it up. I, the Lord, do all these things. Now, I just had to take a little quick diversion there just so you would stop giving the devil power. Stop walking in your house saying the devil must be in here. Well, if you showed up, he shouldn't have left. <laughs> so if he's still there and you there, then maybe it's because he's you. Okay, here we are. Matthew 14. I got to move. Now, remember, that don't count as teaching time. M Matthew 14, verse 25. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. So remember, this is already set up unusual, right? Jesus already has set it up to where he's not on a boat with them to get to the place that they're headed to, to preach so Jesus can have his healing crusade on the other side. The, 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 Jesus has already set this up to be weird and unusual. Got it? So then Jesus says, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do something unusual for them. Okay? He could have just appeared in the boat. You know, you could have just, I'm Jesus. <laughs> he could have did that. He didn't do that. He, he could have just, he could have just met them on the other side. They could have just showed up and Jesus been standing there and said, hey, what took y'all so long? Hey, how do you get over here? I'm Jesus. He didn't do that. Instead, watch this. He meets them. Right in the middle of their dysfunctional cycle. He meets them right in the middle where the waves are rocking and the wind is pushing them backwards. You want to know when you become most spiritual, when you go through the most turmoil? Uh-huh. See, you want to know when you really, people say, I just want to be a prayer warrior. Mm -hmm, well, then you got to go through hell because, see, that's where you learn how to pray. Uh -huh. People say, I just want to have an anointing. You want to know the cost for an anointing? It's hell. That's what it is. Oh, I just want God to use me. You know what the cost to be used by God is? Hell. That's what it is. I just want to be blessed. You know what the cost for that is? Hell. That's what it is. I want my kids to walk and love and serve Jesus. You know what the cost for that is? Hell. Price to pay. God's love is free. Greatness has a fee. They walk. Jesus meets them right in the middle. And he's walking to them. He's walking on top of the sea. I told you, I'm a, I've been talking about him a lot lately. We, we, we'll probably 
uh, let him drop his anchor here on Sunday. Jesus walks, and as they see him, check this out. The Bible says, next verse, verse 26, it says, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear, phobio, in the Greek, where we get our word phobia. He said, and they cried out for fear. Now, check this out. What's amazing to me is they weren't troubled by the boat rocking and the wind pushing. They get troubled when God shows up looking different than the last time they'd seen him. Had it been clearly evident that that was Jesus, they would have known that. But he looked like a ghost. So evidently there was something about the way he showed up that looked different than the time they last saw him. Bishop, what are you trying to say? Uh, Don't you get angry at God because the way he's showing up in this situation is different than the way he showed up in the last situation. See, in the last situation, he was holding you by the hand because you weren't mature enough. But after you went through that, you got mature enough. So this time, he's not holding you by the hand. He's going to show up and look like a ghost. Said, I'm not holding you this time because you've been through enough. See, God, you, you, oh, who am I talking? God said, you, you didn't been through enough. You've gone through enough hell. You've been, you've been sitting under the teaching long enough. You ought to be growner than that. You ought to be more mature than that. So I'm not grabbing your hand this time. This time I'm going to walk out to you and look different than the way I looked last time. Last time you saw me, I looked as you always knew me. But this time you see me, I'm going to look like a ghost. What is a ghost? Ghost is someone that's died and come back. <laughs> he said, I'm going to look like, watch this, this is just for somebody, not for everybody. I'm going to look like something that you used to see. That's just for somebody. That's not for everybody. That's just for somebody. I'll get the praise report this week. Watch this. Look what he says. Verse 26, it is a ghost and they cried out for fear. Verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. So imagine it's a storm going on. It's a, it's a, it's a uh, what do you call them, uh, uh, the hurricane, you got level, category one. It's a category one hurricane going on, which in that part of the earth they call them a cyclone. It's a category one cyclone going on. Got it? And they're talking loud enough to Jesus for him to hear them. And he's talking loud enough to them for them to hear him. But despite their ability to hear one another, it didn't change the storm. He's saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Notice, he didn't say, it's Jesus. He says, it is I. In other words, he said, you ought to know by now how I work. Why are you sitting up here acting like you're going to die in the middle of this mess? Why are you sitting up here acting like it ain't going to get no better? Why are you sitting up here acting like things aren't going to turn around and work for you? You ought to know by now how I work. So I'm not calling my name. I'm just going to say it's me. You ever had somebody knock on your door and they figured because you had talked to them a few minutes ago that you should know that it's them knocking on the door. So then they knock on the door, you say, who is it? They don't say nothing. Instead, they put their hand up so you can't see them and the little people. Don't act like y'all they did. You just did it yesterday. So you be like, okay, I'll be there in five minutes. I'll be there in two minutes. I'll be there in 30 seconds. And then you go knock on the door, right? And then you do that, you know, you do that, you do that knock. Because you want to get them. And they start turning the stereo down and <laughs> turning the stove off. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. They come to the door. 
and, you, and you're saying to yourself, I'm not identifying myself because we just spoke and you knew that I was on my way. There's some stuff where you're waiting on God to say, boom, it's me. And God says, I'm not going to do that. I just spoke to you at church. I just spoke to you in a series that announced I was going to do something unusual. I just spoke to you saying I was getting ready to interrupt your usual. So I'm not announcing myself. It's just me. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. He said, be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. But Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out on the water. So he said, come. Now, and, and here's what I said, because I told you I want to walk through it. For Peter, walking on water was supernatural because it was unusual for him. Watch this. Unusual doesn't have to be something huge and grand. It's just not the usual for you. Okay, I, I, I'm reviewing where we were. Somebody said, Bishop, you said the same thing on Sunday. I know, but I need you to get it because teacher, a redundancy is the teacher's best friend. You'd be surprised at what you think you know that you don't know until it's said to you again. Here it is. It was one simple step that created an unusual experience. He began to walk on what had killed others. See, 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 what, what you don't understand, Whitney Houston had a song. She said she didn't know her own strength. Could it be that you don't know your own strength? This is what you're trying to say. Now, you, I know you've been through some things, and you're a survivor, and you're thriving, and all that. But could it be that you underestimate the God in you? Bishop, Bishop what, what do you mean I underestimate the God in me? Because you're looking at your circumstances as if they're that bad. As if it's tough. As if, oh, wee, this is going to be something. God, I know he did that last time, but I don't know how he's going to do this. Could it be that you do not know your own strength? Check this out. Peter's walking on what had killed other men. That sea had claimed the lives of thousands, perhaps, who knows, hundreds of thousands of men who had shipwrecked in that sea before. And here he is walking on it. See, the stuff that other people look at your life and say, I don't know how you could do that. <laughs> it's because you had the ability to do the unusual. You had the ability to just take one step. And remember, that was the point I made about Peter. I got to move real quickly because I want to get to the new two. Uh, remember, the, the point we were making about Peter is that he took one step at a time. And remember the analogies I gave you. How do you walk on water? One step at a time. How do you eat a hamburger? One bite at a time. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. That's gross, by the way. I know Andrew Zimmern's got you thinking you can just eat anything. But there's some stuff that's just not appropriate. And that and the little tentacles on the, on the calamari, those are two things that you should not be eating. Now, the bodies are cool, but the little tentacle thing, no, that's inappropriate. <laughs> How do you build a Lego castle? One block at a time. How do you build a skyscraper? One block at a time. So we, we talk that very simply, because we talk about supernatural, sometimes people get real weirded out. We talk about unusual, sometimes people get real weirded out. It's one simple step. And remember, I gave you some examples this past weekend, so I, I, I won't, I won't relitigate that. The second thing I told you is this, an unusual offering equals an unusual opportunity. Flip there one more time, First Kings chapter 3. Let's shift into third gear so I can get you where I need to get you tonight. Amen. Are you hearing this tonight? First Kings chapter 3. An unusual offering equals an unusual opportunity. Listen, uh, 
If you keep having the same opportunities everyone else does, it's because you're giving what they give. Unusual offerings create unusual opportunities. Got it? And you know, normally when, when God asks for an unusual offering, it's when you think you don't have it. That, that's, that, that's typically when God will say, okay, why? Because it's unusual. So you just get your income tax return? That's, that's usual to get, you know, God say, okay, listen, I'm going to need half that. You don't think twice about it. Oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I mean, you shouting. You putting your envelope in the bucket. I mean, you looking at other people. Ain't God good? I know he is. Ain't God God? Yes, he is. Like the old Baptist. He's all right. Ain't he all right? <laughs> Won't he do it? But listen, but, but then when you're in a different financial place, and then he says, I want an unusual offering. Then all of a sudden, watch this, it becomes unusual. You get a settlement, it's usual for you to give to God when you love him. So you can't love God and not give to God. But now it is possible to give to him and not love him. You can't love him and not serve him. But it is possible to serve him and not love him. First Kings chapter 3, verse 4, you got it? Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask, what shall I give you? And remember, we talked about this, is that Solomon gave what we would look at as the equivalent of a thousand dollar offering. He said, Lord, here it is. And this was a big deal because none of the other kings had set this kind of precedent for an offering. And the Lord appears to Solomon. Now, who, who appears to Solomon? But, but, but what does that mean? yod hey wav now, now, just for the purpose of, of us being on the same page, whenever we see that, that's called God's covenant name, uh, which is yad heh wav And I don't have my headset mic, so I can't do it, but you know the hand signals called the Ketrogamaton, uh, where the Jews would not even utter the name. They just say the name. You understand that? <laughs> they, they wouldn't say, did you pray to God today? No, they say, did you pray to the name? Do you see the name working? And so then when we look now in the New Testament, we see that he's been given a name above every name. Well, he's always had a name that's always been above every name. And the name has always been powerful. So much so that you don't play with the name when you utter the name. Here it is. And God himself appears to Solomon. Now, why is that a big deal? Why is that a big deal? That's a big deal because it was uncommon. Watch this. And unusual. I'm going to help somebody. For God to deal directly with the king. In these times, God dealt with the prophet who would then deal with the king. You missed it. How did Solomon even become king? Because the prophet, you remember the story. Uh, he, he saw, uh, 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 he, he's going, or, or you go all the way back to Saul, and, and then you look at David, and, and then you look at Solomon. You, you look at the lineage there, but Saul becomes king because of an interaction with the prophet. David gets correction because of an interaction with Nathan, the prophet. So Solomon now, God's normal and usual way of dealing with the king is through the prophet. That's not to say there weren't exceptions where God dealt directly with the king, but this here is something that's what? Unusual. For God to deal directly with the king. He didn't send the word by way of the prophet. He didn't send the word by way of it. No, 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 no. No, the Lord appears to Solomon in a dream, which we're going to talk about real soon. He appears to Solomon in a dream and he says, tell me what you want. Because your offering moved me. 
So much so that I didn't send an angel. I didn't send the prophet. I came myself. Now, some of you are thinking, Bishop, that's not a big deal. <laughs> no, you, you just don't, you, you just, then you can't read. And that's okay. We're going to help you read in just a moment. Here it is. In a dream by night, God said, ask, what shall I give you? And remember, we talked on Sundays that most, most of us, if we heard that question from God, we wouldn't know what to say. If God said to you, tell me, to listen, what do you want? Can I, can I call you tomorrow? Can I have a little time to think about it? Now, some of you immediately know what you would say, but that's out of immaturity. Bishop, what do you mean out of immaturity? Because what most people say, well, then, Lord, Lord, give me, uh, Lord, give me a new job. This is God. And the best you want from him is another job. Okay. Evidently, I ain't got nobody in here. This is God asking you a question. And the best you Lord, just give me peace. That's the best. I mean, that's good. Peace is good. Shalom. Nothing missing. Nothing, backing, uh, nothing broken. Nothing lacking. All is well. That's great. But that's all you want? Solomon said, I'll tell you what I ask you for, God. And to suffice it, make a long story short. He said, I'll tell you what, give me wisdom. He said, because if you give me wisdom, which is the appropriate application of knowledge, a shortcut. If you give me wisdom, then I'll tell you what, God, I'll never have to answer that question again. Because then I'll be able to watch this, hear you, obey you, and watch it work. If you'll give me wisdom, if you give me wisdom, I won't make the same mistake that I made last year. If you give me wisdom, I'll stop repeating the same dysfunctional cycles in my life. If you'll give me wisdom, I'll know the people to get out of my life that shouldn't be in there. If you'll give me wisdom, I'll know to quit chasing stuff I got no business chasing. If you'll give me wisdom, I'll know my assignment and I won't be obsessed with somebody else's assignment. If you'll give me wisdom, I won't need a miracle because I'll be walking in the blessing. If you'll give me wisdom. His unusual offering created an unusual opportunity. What opportunity would you love to have? Whatever that is. Just think about it. What opportunity would you love to have? For some of you, uh, maybe that opportunity is to, to own a business. For some of you, maybe that opportunity is, is uh, you know, to be married happily ever after. For, for some of you, maybe that opportunity is, is what, whatever. Imagine the opportunity you want. Compare that to the seed you've sown. And, and I know what some of you are thinking. I know what some of you are thinking. I know what some of you are thinking. Now, uh, uh, well, Bishop, you know, X amount of dollars. That was a big seed for me. Okay? And that's great. Uh, the peculiarity of Solomon's offering was juxtaposed, watch this, to not just the amount, but the motive. <laughs> It was the motive that moved God, not just the amount. That's why, you remember the Bible talks about the widow and her might. Remember Jesus, Jesus was, which tells us a couple of things. They were collecting an offering, and Jesus looked in to see that a woman had only given a certain amount, which tells me that Jesus paid attention to what they gave. So he pays attention. He looks at this, he looks at this woman, and he looks and he says, well, this woman has done a great deal. This woman has done something peculiar. This woman has done something unusual because for that woman, that's a lot. 
That's unusual. See, stop comparing your life to somebody else's life because you don't know the cost they've paid to get where they are, and, and you don't know what they're going through, and you don't know what's going on. So, so stop look, touching them and say, quit looking at me. Tell them, say, quit looking at me. Just quit looking at me. Quit judging your relationship with God based on my relationship with God because you don't know what he and I have been through together, and you don't know what I've walked through. It. So, so get up out over here. This is an A and B conversation. We'll get some white gloves so the us's can get you... Unusual offering, unusual opportunity, okay? And if I had time, I, I, I'd tell you about uh, uh, some times where God has, 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 has for me, has, has said very unusual things and said, I want you to do this. I want you to give this. I want you to do that. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's unusual. And then the first thing you do is you rebuke the devil. Be like, God, that's way too much. Satan, get behind me. Or you think, God, I just gave. I just did that last week. And then he said, give me some more. <laughs> it's not because God needs your money. Let me just make that clear in case that's what you think I'm trying to get at. It's that Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart. Heart in Hebrew and Greek. In Hebrew, it's the word leb. In Greek, it's the word cardia, but in the center of a man, mind. He said, wherever your treasure is, your money is, that's what your mind is. That's where your mind is. That's what your mind's set on. So if you want to know what you really believe, open up your checkbook register. That's what you really believe. You want to know who you really love? Open up your checkbook register. I know some of y'all don't use checks no more. Look at your bank statement. Unusual offering equals unusual opportunity. Then we talk the third thing. I got to move real quickly. Unusual passion equals unusual miracles. And remember, we looked at this in Acts 19, chapter 1. I'm not going to have you flip there. The Bible says that the Lord worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even the handkerchiefs and aprons that were taken off of his body, uh, diseases left the people and evil spirits went out of them. Now, I do want you to flip to Revelation chapter, chapter number 2. Because this is where we ended on Sunday. And then this is when the ghost gave you a little something, something. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, you got it? Here it is. To the angel, that word angel there <coughs> uh, is translated in the Greek pastor. To the pastor of the church at Ephesus, right? To these things who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I, won't, I don't have time to exegete this and explain what all of that means tonight because I want to get to a certain place. Verse 2, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those that are evil or contrary to you. Uh, and you have tested those who say they're apostles and have not and have found them to be liars. And remember I told you in the weekend uh, that that translates for you and I. Uh, well, apostle means one who is sent. He said, uh, in essence, what he's saying for you in your everyday life is there's some people who told you that they, they were there for you and that they cared about you and they were going to be there for you and they were going to help you and that God sent them to you. And he says, you, you tested them and found out that they was lying. Verse 3. And you have <clears throat> persevered and have patience and you have labored uh, for my name's sake and have not become weary. And that's somebody's testimony tonight is you've been patient and you have labored for God. And that when you felt like giving in the towel, you talked yourself into understanding that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. When you said, God, I can't take it no more. He said, but Lord, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They're going to mount up with wings. 
wings like an eagle. You felt like giving up, but you didn't. But look at verse 4. Nevertheless, this is Jesus talking. I have this against you, that you left your first love. Remember, therefore, from whence you have fallen. Repent, turn, change directions, and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And we looked at this. i got to move quickly. The word works there, when Jesus said do the first works, it is the Greek word ergon, which means it's a deed or action that's carried out that completes an inner desire. You ever done something because you really, really wanted to? Right, everybody has, right? You ever done something and you really didn't want to? Mm-hmm. Right, that's the difference. That's the difference. J- Jesus, said, Jesus said, I want you to do it, but I want you to do it because you want to. Can, can I just go somewhere real quick and, and, and for all the religious people just, just not go crazy real quick? Uh, uh, Marvin had a song. He says, I want you to want me. But I want you to want me too. And then look what he said. Just like. Okay, okay. Y'all come back to church now. You can come back to church. You can come back to church because some of y'all just got an unsaved land. Come on back to church. Come on back to church. Here's the point. Jesus said, I see you lifting your hands, but I know you don't want to. I see you going to church, but I know you don't want to. I see you giving, but I see you don't want to. I want you to do it because you want to do it. I want you to love me because you want to. Why do they have to cheerlead you? And why do they have to go through all that? Why? He said, I want you to do it, but I want you to do it because you want to. Not just because your back's against the wall and you know if you don't, I won't show up. I want you to do it when it's good and I want you to do it when it's bad. I want you to do it when you feel like doing it and I want you to do it when you don't feel like doing it. I want you to serve me when you want to serve and I want you to serve me when your flesh. He said, he said, do the first works. There's the difference. He said, I don't just want you to do this thing because it's the right thing to do. You, you, ever, you ever talk to somebody and ask them, why did you do that? Well, it's the right thing to do. So what, what, what you're intimating is, is that had it not been the right thing to do, then you wouldn't have done it. The problem is right is relative. This is what he means. Relative. It's relative to whatever it's close to. So the right thing to do. You ever heard somebody do this? And, and if you, and, and okay, don't judge nobody. I'm just making a point. You, you ever had a, a couple, and, and they just were not meant for one another? And even they knew that? Okay, it's real quiet in there. I'll show acting real Presbyterian tonight. Everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. They mama knew it, his mama knew it, her mama knew it, the grandmama knew it, the roach knew it, the frog down the street knew it, the fish in the pond around the corner knew it. The lady at King Supers knew it. The waitress at Denny's knew it. I mean, she came up and said, something ain't right. <laughs> but then, in their humanity, they fall. They have a child. And then one of them says, well, we're going to do the right thing. Let's get married. I'm not right for you. You're not right for me. Ain't nothing about this right. Y'all show got quiet right here. Ain't nothing about this right, but let's do the right thing. (laughs) 
See, right's relative. Because what you're creating is a mess. And he said, well, we'll learn to love one another. <laughs> no, it don't work that way. It don't work that way. Okay. But so what are you trying to say? Jesus, Jesus was saying, listen, I want you to do it not just because it's the right thing. I want you to do it because you want to. So the question I asked you was, where's your raw passion for Jesus? And whenever you have a passion for someone, you have a passion for the things that please that someone. So it's not just, uh, I'm, I'm passionate about Jesus. I met with a guy the other day. He said, I'm fired up about Jesus. I said, well, do you serve at your church? No. So well, then you can't be fired up about him. Because if you were fired up about him, you would do what's important to him. And he said, the greatest amongst you is the servant. So you can't be fired up about him and not what's important to him be important to you. It's disingenuous. It's paradoxical in nature. It's antithetical in expression. Here it is. And, and the four things that we were talking about, our passion, we talked about at the beginning of the series, uh, was to sacrifice. And remember those four things? Fasting and prayer every Wednesday. Amen. Now, I don't know about y'all, but today's fasting, it was unusual. Ooh, but I'm going to show you what that means in just a minute. Second thing we talked about was sacrificial giving. Uh, these were things that we, we were going to do to create a climate for an outpouring. And these weren't things we were doing to earn God's love. We've already got God's love. There's nothing we can do to make him, lo to make him love us any less or any more. But these were things we were going to do to create a climate for an outpouring. The third was praise and worship out of our comfort zone. You got it? And the fourth was repentance or committing to change. So now, let's move. Can I get you these last two? Now, listen, I, I literally have ten minutes, so you all have to help me teach this to you, okay? Touch the neighbor and say, help the bishop. Oh, here it is. Acts 28. Acts 28. Here it is. Unusual honor equals unusual favor or healing. The fourth one. Unusual honor equals unusual favor or healing. Now, go to Acts 28, verse 1. Acts 28, verse 1. Come on, Tonto, let's ride. Here we go. Now, when they had escaped, they found out uh, uh, that the island was called Malta. So here it is. Let me give you the background. Now, Paul is on this ship. He's on this ship sh uh, going to Rome. He's headed to Rome so that he could present the gospel to the capital city of the entire empire. And so they get into shipwreck. Somebody say shipwreck. Once they get into shipwreck, they, get, uh, they shipwreck and they land on this uh, island called Malta. Say Malta. All right, now look at verse 2. So here it is. It says, and the natives showed us unusual kindness. Uh, kindness there is the Greek word philanthropia, which is where we get our word philanth uh, philanthropic or philanthropy. Uh, watch this, and, and that just means a, a, a love of mankind or a love of people. For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. Listen, verse 7. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. Okay, look at this. We've got two things happening. The natives are kind to this man and these prisoners that they've never met. Unusually kind. Uh, somebody say unusual. unusual. Say it again, unusual. unusual. Then there's this uh, a leading citizen on the island whose name is Publius, and, and he then receives them, and he entertains them, and watch what the Bible says. Look, it's so important, the little words that are in here. And he entertained us how? Courteously. He didn't just say, well, come on in here and sit down, but ain't nobody got time for this. You know, I'm going to help you out, but you know, I really don't do this. That's not how he did it. See, sometimes the way you do it is almost sometimes more important than the what that you did. Because 
The way judges the motive. The what's irrelevant. Bishop, what do you mean the what's irrelevant? Jesus said in the last days, uh, Jesus said when judgment comes, people are going to say, Lord, didn't I cast out demons in your name? And didn't I do this in your name? And he said, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, generational curses. Depart from me, you worker of generational curses. I didn't even know you. Bishop, what do you mean? They did these what's, but the why and the how was not in sync with the him. All right, put the verse up. I got to move. Who received us and entertained us courteously for how many days? Three days. Look at verse number eight. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. Had, watch this. In this day, in this time period, okay, in history, if you had dysentery, you were going to die. It was a death sentence. Wasn't no antibiotics. Wasn't no antiviral uh, 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 supplements and this kind of thing. No, no, what was none of that. If you had dysentery, you were going to die. Now check this out. Paul goes into him and he prays for him. But the only reason he's close enough to him is because they showed him, fe- they showed him unusual kindness. Watch this. They showed him unusual honor. So because, watch this, they honored the man of God, then the man of, the man of God then goes in and lays hands and heals this man's father. Some of you missed the point. This man is not a Christian. This man is not saved. This man has not confessed Jesus. But Paul said, because you have honored me, I got something that you can't do for yourself. I got something that you can't pray to your false God for. I'll lay my hands on you and heal you because your honor created favor. Okay, I got to move. I got to move. I got to move. Here it is. Here it is. Verse 9. Verse 9. Verse 9. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. Wait, wait a minute. These are all, I want you to think of the lowest, dirty, down person you can think of. (laughs) Y'all something else. It was an island full of pagan-worshipping, non-God-fearing people. But they did something that many Christians don't do well. They knew who to honor. Dishonor is the gateway to a negative season. If you're in a negative season, check who you disrespected and check who you dishonored. Okay, y'all ain't got to say nothing. I'll just keep on moving like it ain't even happened. Here it is. So the rest of the island who had diseases came and they were healed. These aren't Christians. They ain't tongue talking. They ain't saying, Lord, send us an outpour. They don't even know what an outpour is. They still don't even know who Paul is, barely. They just know that when a snake bit him, he shook it off. And they said, well, he must be a god. Look at verse 10. Here it is. They also shouted. I said shouted. They honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. I want you to get this. Do you get, do you see this? Paul crash lands on this island, him and some other prisoners. He was all right, but there were some other prisoners that was like for real prisoners. He was a spiritual prisoner, but there were some other dudes that, you know, they had shot a few folk. You understand? They had, there's some real prisoners. You understand? 
They get on the island. Uh, the, as they're on the island, the people show them unusual kindness. The people then begin bring them in their home. They honor them. And then when they're getting ready to depart, the people say, well, listen, don't just leave. Take everything that you need from us. And as a result of their honor, now everybody on the island that was sick is now healed. The gospel preached to them before they ever confessed the gospel. The demonstration came before they ever heard of the man that was being demonstrated, Jesus. You're missing what I'm saying. You're missing what I'm saying. Sometimes what we're trying to do is, is get people saved, and that's good. But, but, but understand that sometimes the demonstration will do what your mouth cannot do. See, the reason you got to make it through what you're going through is because you're going to be a demonstration to somebody else. And you telling them about Jesus, that ain't really done too much. But when they see you come up out of, oh God, who am I? When they see you come up out of this, when they see you stand on top of this, when they see you were messed up this day, but on this day you're thriving. When they see that demonstration. But that's not the best part. Put verse 11 up. After three months, whoo, wait a minute. A season. Somebody's going to tear the church up. Somebody's going to get it. Somebody's going to get it. Somebody's going to get it. A season. Winter, fall, spring, summer. I know they're not in order. I'm trying to speak the one we coming out of. Shut down, Jesus. Okay. Got your seasons, right? Spring, summer, fall, winter, right? How often does a season last? How long, rather? Three months. Somebody's going to get it. Their honor. Their honor. God, somebody going to get it. Their honor changed the season that they were in. God, didn't nobody get it. Let me say it again. Who they chose to honor changed the season of, if you don't like the season of life you're in, I'm here to tell you, if you'll just throw some honor out, and if you'll, <laughs> sit down. I know y'all just trying to take my preaching time. After three months, a season, then we left. These people who aren't even Christians. And why do you tell us that, Bishop? If he did it for them, and they're not even his, how much more would he do for you, and you belong to him? Those people that were sick were more than likely going to die. And you know what they were planning? Watch this. Now this. We may not get to the fifth one. Here it is. They were planning on that season of their life to be the last season of their life. God, I wish I had a church. They shouting in Dallas. They are shouting in, they shouting in Atlanta. I know they are. They were planning on this being their final season. You, you know, like the TV shows, how, you know, it's the final, you know, final thing. This is the final thing. Season finale. They were getting ready for the season finale. And then they were going to have a reunion show after the finale. Got it? Okay, got it? They were getting ready for the finale. Y'all still here, Harvest? They were getting ready for the finale. And then they honored the man of God. They honored Apostle Paul. They treated him, watch this, 
like he was someone special, even though he had done nothing for them. See, you, you, you keep, it's amazing, it's amazing how, how Americans are sometimes, because they'll honor people who ain't done nothing for them. But the people that pray with them and love them and walk with them through their hell, oh, y'all ain't got nothing to say? They'll dishonor those. But that's a, another thing. Here it is. They were planning on this being their season finale. A mother told her daughter, listen, baby, I'm not going to be here in a few months. This is it. Father told his son, son, you're going to have to be the man in the house because, you know, they were native people, you know. So you said, you're going to be the man in the house. You're going to have to keep the tent. You're going to have to keep it up. You're going to have to do this. There was a child who looked at her mother and said, listen, mother, I, 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 what's going to happen to me when I leave? Where am I going to go? They're not Christians, so they, they have no semblance of what's going to happen after death. They, they don't know. Now, now we don't know what native religion they were, so we can't speculate intelligently. All we know is that there were people on that island that were planning on that being their last season of life. Let me say it to you another way. There were people who said, the last season of my finances, that was the best one I ever had. And I don't think it's going to get better. The last job I had, that was the best. I don't think I'm going to be able to find one like that because they got doctors that are working $10 an hour jobs. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to find something. Who am I talking to? The, the, I, that, that, that was it. That, this is it. This is it. But their unusual honor created unusual favor so that their whole season changed. Could you imagine if we walked out of here right now and it was no longer snowing, but it was sunny and 85 with a nice breeze from the east? Amen. Father, we just thank you. Do something unusual, Jesus. <laughs> Could you imagine that? I know some of y'all like to snow because you like wearing parkas and boots and stuff, and that's cool, but I, you know, you know that's, just, that's just not me. But I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with you. Here it is. Could you imagine us walking out and in a moment's time, the season <laughs> changing? Could you imagine that? Here's the thing. Most of us couldn't. Most would be like, no, I, I don't get it. Because, Bishop, it just seems like when it rains, it pours, and it just seems like every time it pours, I never have what I need. And Bishop, it just seems like every time I wish the Lord would cover me, uh, it just. <laughs> Watch this. I, we're not going to get to the fifth one. We'll get to it next time. Here it is. I needed an umbrella today. To block all of what was coming at me. God, somebody's going to get free today. But when I show unusual honor, what I needed to protect me that was covering me, I can turn it around and begin to use it to collect that which is being poured out for me. Dishonor made me have to do this. Honor changed it to where now, Lord, I'm collecting what you're sending and send the rain, Lord, because it ain't hidden me, but it's being collected for me. You've poured out favor over my life. 
unusual honor equals unusual favor. Dishonor is a gateway to a negative season. Well, unusual honor is a gateway to the season of the unusual. Say unusual. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. You can stay seated. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that we are preparing ourselves for the unusual. <laughs> and we thank you, Father, that you're so good that even when we want to get pulled into the usual, that you give us grace and you give us mercy and you give us strength to walk in the unusual. We thank you, Father, that there has been an outpouring declared over our house. There is an outpouring declared over our house. And I pray that people wouldn't be in the house and still miss the outpour. Our life is creating a climate for the supernatural to work on our behalf. <laughs> Somebody said, Bishop, I just can't believe that it's the supernatural. I want y'all to just put your heads bowed and eyes closed real quickly. I want y'all to put up 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And with you sitting in your seat there, you watching online, I want to do this real quickly because some of you are thinking, Bishop, I'm just having such a hard time believing it because even when you said it, it, nothing really changed. Nothing really happened. It didn't seem like it worked. I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm going to deal with you in just a moment. But before I do that, you might be in this experience tonight or watching online and you might not be a Christian and never given your life to Jesus. And I don't want to assume because it's a Wednesday night that you know Jesus. And tonight, if you don't know him, he wants to know you. He loves you. He died for you. He's not mad at you. He's not trying to beat you up. He's not trying to throw you down. He loves you. And tonight, if you need to become a Christian, there is forgiveness and love for you. Secondly, if you're here and you've fallen away from Jesus and you want to recommit yourself to him, there is forgiveness for you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It just matters what he did. There's no place or nothing you could do that would ever go beyond the place that Jesus' blood could go. There's no place too low where his blood cannot flow. There's no, there's no chasm that is so deep to where Jesus cannot reach. Hear me what I'm telling you. And so tonight, if you're here online and you need to become a Christian or rededicate yourself on the count of three, throw your hand up. We're going to pray for you. One, two, three. Throw your hand up if that's you. Amen. Come on, celebrate. Somebody online might be watching and they need to know that there's a church celebrating them. I said celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. Hallelujah. I want everybody to just say this with me. Just remain seated. Just say this with me. Say, Father. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you died for me. I believe the Bible. And if this is my first time praying this, I am born again. If I was far from you, I am reconnected to you. Give me the grace. That means your ability, your strength to walk this walk. In Jesus' name. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. 
Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.